Only a handful of games left until we get to finals, and it's already it, it, things are really coming down to crunch time, especially with what happened in round 19. Some heavy finals implications, some teams dropping in, some teams dropping out. Uh, and just before we get into things, I have to give a round of applause to GWS's social media account for what they posted after the round. Donnie, I'm sure you saw this. <laughs> I mean, I really hope everyone saw this because if y'all remember, um, that I think it was from like a few Olympic games ago, but there is that one uh, speed skater that finished first because everyone crashed. They had that with um, SN St. Kilda in Richmond uh, as some of the <laughs> teams that crashed. So that was good stuff. Um, it was a it was a miracle to see GWS actually win an important game. Uh, of course, we're going to get to that in due time. But I'm your host Ross Allen, joined alongside by the AFL. Corresponded, Coach Donnie Hassett. Coach, how are we feeling uh, after a solid win for your Sydney Swans and kind of a hectic round for the, some other final teams? Man, just a crazy, crazy round. It, it, it almost gets to the point where I'm trying to figure out who wants that eighth spot because right now nobody is seeming to fight for it. And the funny thing about it that, that you mentioned that I did see that tweet that is called doing a Bradbury. Yes. That's that it, it actually has got into Aussie has gotten into the Aussie slang terms. So yep, that is doing a Bradbury. So I think they're trying to insinuate that GWS is trying to do a Bradbury. They're gonna let everybody else wreck as they get to the finals. That's absolutely hilarious. Well, given that the Giants have a hard time winning, I'll take it when everyone else loses. But thank you so much for tuning in today. It's always a pleasure to come to you guys. Um, and, and really do appreciate all the support, especially since we are the American voice of Australian football. And we do appreciate all of you. I mean, we're getting close to almost a quarter of our uh, fan base, at least according to my um, statistics um, from our audio shows, are Australian. So we really do love uh, our, our cousins across the pond is, is what I like to call all of you. But let's get into this round proper. We're going to get that story with Port Alley and Collingwood. Then we're going to cruise on over and take a little preview at uh, the current final standings. Uh, and maybe see if our predictions from last round have changed a little bit depending on what happened this round. Then of course, Stein's going to get you his team of the round. Some interesting possibly power rankings, at least with the, the you know number four and five teams. And then of course, we're going to get into a round 20 tipping. But like I said... Port Adelaide versus Collingwood, and Port continues their dominance over non-top eight teams as they handle Collingwood after a little bit of a slow start here, though. So things were, I guess, maybe Port Adelaide, you know, the first, I guess, a little bit of that, that first quarter, sorry, first term. You're wondering if Port Adelaide was really going to show up in this one. 
but then they kind of get their behinds in gear and they finish off strong in, in this one. And this is a game where you had Charlie Dixon leading the way with four goals. And the problem now is that the Magpies have dropped four of their last five. And they're actually getting close to wooden spoon contention given how Hawthorne and North Melbourne have been looking recently. Um, and that's good news for Giants fans because given the trade that happened uh, this offseason, if the Pies finish last in the league, the Giants actually get, they have a, a chance to not only make the finals, but also get the first pick in the draft. So, fingers crossed. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see there. The Power are on roll. They've won five of their last six. And uh, let's talk Port Adelaide's chances at making the top four. And let's also talk, there's a moment in the game where between Charlie Dixon and Jordan Rohead, where Dixon seemingly, well, he at least had hands on the back. And he, a lot, most people think he pushed. So what do you think about this situation? Was this a push in the back? And was this a missed call by the officials, or sorry, the, uh, the umpires? And is this really any different than what they've been calling the whole season? Oh, the hands in the back roll. I know I was watching an, an episode of On the Couch this morning, and, and Jared Healy absolutely just lit into the umpires over this last few weeks because they're not calling it. Mm -hmm. it it's hard to argue that it isn't. Um, there were several instances this weekend where you're, you're pretty sure that that's probably pushing the back, probably should have been called. It's not the defending space with the forearm or using their hands to defend space and then going up. There's there it looks to be extension, unfortunately. But if you really look at it, I don't think this is a call that changed the game at all. I think Port Adelaide, except for a little sputter at the start of the start of the game through most of the first quarter, they really played really really well. They capitalized on a Collingwood team that's undermanned. It's still kind of trying to find its way under caretaker coach Harvey, where. This is a Collingwood team that honestly, they're just they look they look rudderless, they look lost, and it doesn't help that Pendleberry goes down with it with an injury to his leg to the point where he may be done for the year. And and when you lose experience on this young Collingwood team, it, it really really hurts you, especially in the area like the midfield. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that is not going to bode well for them. And then let's take a look at Port Adelaide's chances at making the top four. So. Right now, they are in fourth with 52 points. Brisbane is, and Sydney is right behind them with 48 each. Um, Brisbane has 127 percentage points. Sydney with 118. Poor Adelaide, 121. So they're only reading, uh, leading to, the, to that game. Um, right now, if you take a look at the remaining games for this Poor Adelaide club, their last four games are going to be against... Um, they're going to be against the GWS Giants. They're going to be against the Adelaide Crows. Then they have Carlton and the Doggies. So right now, all games are winnable. Um, I, I think they're going to be the favorite in at least three of these four games. And we'll have to see, depending on what they do in these next three rounds, how they're going to look against this Doggies team uh, in terms of who might be favored to win. So realistically, I think poor Adelaide could... It's a three and one is manageable, and if they see expectations, they could finish out the season four and zero. Then, if you look at Brisbane, they got Gold Coast, Hawthorne, Frio, and West Coast. So this Brisbane team could finish. I think a four and zero finish for them is a little more realistic um, than uh, Port Adelaide finishing four and zero. Then with the Sydney right now, we have um, listed, and you, know, you got Essendon, North Melbourne, Gold Coast. Um, so. It, it, do you think that, I mean, obviously they're at risk of falling out. It, it looks like given the 
um, what we see from Brisbane and Sydney, poor Adelaide seemingly has to win out. I don't know if they have to win out because they do they do have that nice little game gap between them and Brisbane and Sydney. So they do have that fallback gap, mm-hmm. which you would say looking at their four games left, the Doggies is probably that that mulligan, that game that you most likely would see them mm-hmm. not winning. GWS, Adelaide, Carlton, if you just look at it right now, you would think they should be favorites in all three. They should win all three. They win those three. That Doggies game I don't think is going to be – super impactful when it comes to if they make the four because i think they'll already be there mm-hmm. it may be for can they move up to potentially third or second if the doggies or melbourne stumble mm-hmm. so i think adelaide has got a really good foot in here but you just never know the, the showdown between them and adelaide is always tough gws is a team again we've kind of harped on it all year they're a jekyll and hyde team you never know what game you're going to get are you going to get a swans game where you start off great and you fall apart or a game like this where you fall behind early and then you come roaring back to win it late so we'll really have to see um i would right now pencil port in at four but i'm not going to pen them in because Mm -hmm. you just you just never know i mean Mm -hmm. they drop one to gws they get a little rattled. They go into that Adelaide game almost feeling like they have to win the next have to win the next two to at least hold the opportunity to stay in fourth going into that doggies game in the last game of the season. A little bit of pressure uh, on them, so we'll see if they could almost live up to it, overcome that, and end up with a really solid spot being at the top four of the ladder. Um, the next game, I mean, speaking of the ladder, let's talk about a team that's almost out of the basement of the ladder and that is the north melbourne kangaroos they took on carlton this round and although um you know it was a really it, it was a really solid game until halftime then as soon as that the the, the siren to start the second half happened uh, the ruse really just took a uh a, they took command of this game they took over and Carlton had no answers for them, is what it seemed like. If we saw, just looking at the difference between the second term and the third term, um, Carlton was 5-6. and six. They end up, um, after two, they end up 5-10 and ten after three. Then the Ruse, 5-4 and four after two, 12-6 after three. So that third term was a huge turning point in this game, obviously. And it also helps, like, when you have the ruse, I mean, you kick 7-2 in the third. And let's talk about Nick Larkey having a career game, kicking 7-1 in this one. Fantastic stuff from him. It, it almost reminiscent of Josh Bruce putting on the show when he kicked 10 goals earlier this season against this team. So he really tried to uh, pull all the tricks out of his hat. And we just got done talking about... David Teague possibly saving his job over the last couple rounds. Uh, <laughs> it might be a risk now after losing to the, to the last team uh, to the team at the bottom of the ladder. Well, everything that I keep hearing, this internal review is, is could be officially set and given to the board as early as this week. Oh boy! And I agree that the timing of this loss is absolutely the worst possible timing. Now, do I think this loss is going to cost him his job? No. Do I think the overall outcomes of this season with a team that again, I think a lot of people looked at as a potential finals team. I I say potentials with air quotes here because (laughs) 
I, I didn't mind this team, but again, I had question marks. How are, how are some of these new players going to be able to assimilate into mm-hmm. the group? Um, but unfortunately, I just I agree with some of them. I think Teague, Teague's days are numbered. I think he maybe sees the end of this year, and I think he gets his walking papers. I I hate seeing another coach being let go by Carlton after Bolton being let go not too not too long ago, but. This is a Carlton team with its list, you would think, is a finals contender that should be playing for finals, that should be in finals contention. And this loss to a Ruse team that, I mean, you lose this game to the Ruse team from earlier this season and got absolutely trounced by the Duggies, it looks even worse. But this is a very vastly improved Ruse team considering since round 12, this is one of the best contested teams in the entire competition. I mean, there's, there's no arguing North Melbourne is one of the toughest teams in the competition since round 12 noble has got his guys going. Like I said a few weeks ago, and I still agree with this. You don't want to play North Melbourne right now because they are an absolute pain in the, you know, what they play physical, they have a ton of kids that are just getting more and more confident the way they play. They've still got one of the best rocks in the league in Goldstein, one of the best midfielders in in, in Cunnington. They are a matchup nightmare. So beware teams in the finals. If you get North Melbourne, they're going to make you work. This North Melbourne team has completely transformed themselves from the beginning of the season until this point. And honestly, I'm I'm really thankful for that because it, early on I was trying to I was trying to compliment this Roos team, seeing that maybe they're better than what people think just because of how tough and tenacious that they play. They never give up. So, <laughs> I, I mean, kind of like a, a tune to the Swans. I, I do appreciate them for uh, giving me a little bit of credibility and let me be <laughs> a little bit right on this one. Um, and also, they're just. Uh, Everyone loves an underdog, right? And so this is a fun team to root for, especially if you don't, if you're not like a fan of either. It's always fun to see a team like this pull off, like what they did against West Coast, now what they did against the Blues. And speaking of, I guess underdog teams and ones that at least I like to root for. Let's talk about Gold Coast and their game against Brisbane. And although I was rooting for Gold Coast in this one, maybe to to make things a little bit crazy. Uh, the Brisbane Lions are able to, to end their two-game losing skid. They get their first win since losing Hipwood to that torn um, ACL. And it really did look like, especially early on in this game, I was like, oh boy, are they going to be able to do it? Uh, because the Suns got to a solid start in this one. But unfortunately, that ends up just kind of tapering away as the Brisbane Lions are able to take over a little bit later in this game. And they end up putting a little bit of a hurting late on the Suns as they win this one by 49. And this was a game where, um, I mean, it was close real late. Lions just kind of came away with it in the fourth. And they kick eight and four in the fourth. So if you put up uh, points like that, that should almost always uh, uh, bag you a game. And Lincoln McCarthy leading the way. He had four goals in this one. And so now, I mean, Gold Coast... Oh, but at least uh, got to get a fan counter on this one. I like how well they played. They played them really close and hard. Um, they've been in the 30s recently. So I'm going to put this one right there at... They're going to maybe lose some supporters from last round, Donnie. I'll put it at 30. I'll put it at 30. 30 Gold Coast fans 
after round 19. Uh, but let, so we went over what, how Brisbane looks uh, against uh, Port Adelaide when we're looking at that game. So obviously their chances of making the top four are there. And so do you think that there's any possibility that they might be able to jump a Port Adelaide or possibly from what we've seen from Melbourne recently, maybe jump a D's team? Uh, it's just really up in the air. Like, like to go back to the analysis really quickly, for me, Brisbane, this was kind of a, a tale of two Brisbans. You had mm-hmm. the ugly Brisbane that's kind of been loitering around the last few weeks. And then you have the Brisbane kind of of the start of the season uh, after they kind of went through their their run that they, they really started playing really good footy. Uh, they, it was from the second half on, Brisbane was on it. They were they were attacking. They were getting after it. They were forcing this team to just continue to spread. They just played so so well against the Gold Coast team that you can kind of tell they were just a little outmanned in the in the long run. And just looking at their looking at their run home, like I don't see a lot of terribly difficult games until a lot like Port, the last game of the season against West Coast at the Gabba. Collingwood is should be a win with Frio's injuries that they occurred during this week. That should be a win. You face lonely Hawthorne this week. Hawthorne is difficult. So you, you're not going to count this as an automatic win, but you should win this game. That's three in a row. That guarantees you the three. That puts all the pressure on port, and it sends you in a game at the GABA against West Coast with a chance. If you win and the Doggies knock off port, you can slip in potentially into that fourth spot. We'll really have to see. I think Brisbane's really going to have to hope Port falters before then mm-hmm. because if they get to that final week and they wait for that, then it's going to come down to percentage. Yeah. And we'll have to see how, how that kind of goes on with some of the games there. There's there's some good percentage booster chances for both teams in that four-game stretch as well. Honestly, I think the fourth is going to end up coming down two percentage points. Honestly, I won't be surprised if we see a maybe even a three-way tie between you know um, Port Adelaide, Brisbane, and Sydney for that one. So you're going to need to, to really put up some points on this one and win by a lot. And honestly, wouldn't that be crazy having three teams tied for fourth and having all that come down to percentage points? That would that make it for some damn good TV in the last round of the season. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see about that one. Um, then maybe speak about the aforementioned West Coast when you brought them up. Let's talk about them and St. Kilda because there's St. Kilda was on fire recently. It looks like maybe they're making this huge push to another finals run. But they closely lose a potentially huge game to West Coast as... They got down to about a 30-point deficit at one point, and that ended up being just catastrophic for them in this game, not able to overcome that. And their late comeback attempt fell just short of this one. They lose by eight, and there's a couple times in the fourth where they even tied the game. And so a little bit of a heartbreaking loss for Saints fans, and it doesn't help when you got guys like, you know, Josh Kennedy makes his return. Jack Darling, and they um, also has a solid game. Each of them with three. They combined for a six in this one. And so it's nice to see that the important weapons that everyone knows about that West Coast has, they're kicking things in gear. So this is going to help them um, keep their spot in the finals. Something that, I mean, a couple rounds before this, it looks like there's a lot of concern that they might drop out. So they're almost catching themselves at this point. They're not... Making a, I don't think they're really in, in, in position to make a run up the ladder. They're more or less just 
trying to avoid falling further down the ladder than they really need to. Um, now, West Coast, they have back-to-back -back wins after dropping to Sydney, Big, and North Melbourne. And right now, as the finals sit, West Coast is six points ahead of the eighth spot um, in their seventh spot. And the Saints are just two points out because of that funky draw that the Giants had against North Melbourne. So, how are the Saints looking right now? Is their outlook positive or negative in terms of finals hopes? And do you think West Coast is just going to be able to hold on to that final spot? The Saints kind of have a double-edged sword against them because not only do they have that two-point gap behind it, but the problem is, is they're tied with Frio, Richmond, and Essendon, and they're the fourth of those when it comes to percentage. So St. Kilda really needs a little bit of help. Mm -hmm. They have to win a few games, and they have to hope those three other teams both fall on some hard times over these next few rounds. And, and looking at some of the roads to home, that's, that's a tall tale to ask for, unfortunately. I think... St. Kilda's numerous big losses early in the season are coming back to bite them at this pointy end of the season when if they if they had at least 10 to 10 to 12 more points of percentage they'd be intense. That's how great that's that's how much this has hurt them that they are they're four points four point percentage points back behind Frio and 12 percentage points behind Richmond. That is a big, big margin that is not going to be easy to to overcome. So right now, if I'm if I'm St. Kilda, it's you literally have to win out these final four games. None of them are going to be easy, and then you need a little bit of help. You're going to need Essendon, Richmond, and Frio to drop at least one game just to give you that chance. And it's it's a tall, tall tale to ask. Unfortunately, ah, mm -hmm. uh, really going to come down to man it. It's a bit of a bummer because it looks like Sydney really has some solid hopes. Or, sorry, excuse me, St. Kilda really has some solid hopes. But we'll see how things play out. Obviously, it's a lot of people fighting for the eighth spot. So it's it's going to come down to the wire. There's still plenty of hope for them. They're just, like you said, Donnie, they're going to have to have a little bit of luck on their side. Uh, but the next game here, a big round 11 rematch between the Melbourne D's and the Western Bulldogs. And we had the Bulldogs prevailing in this one. They get a little bit of revenge as Melbourne was able to top them earlier this season. And they controlled this game almost the whole way through, which was almost surprising to me. I thought it was going to be a little bit closer. Obviously, it got pretty close there in the fourth. I mean, the um, Bulldogs pulled about within like four of this one. So they're, um, or sorry, the Ds pulled them uh, without Balfour. And then. The doggies, they go, they just kick three goals and essentially ice the game. And so this was a fantastic game of footy, but this is going to prove pivotal for maybe the one and two spots or the top four in general. And uh, with this one, of course, he had another, probably another three points for Bontebelli. He shines. He kicks two with 31 disposals. And if you look at this, the Ds who have been priding themselves on their defense all season long, Ds and defense, it goes very well together, and it really writes every single pun you can think about this team. Uh, but they give up their second most points all season, and this is aimed back to the most points that they've given up was 96 to Adelaide back in round 10. So we kind of talked about it last week, and you made some very good points of why we shouldn't be too concerned about this Ds team. But now they, they've they dropped um, games to non-finals teams. 
and they've won every game, every real big game against the final teams. But now they finally drop a game to someone that is in the top eight, let alone the top four. So do we need to take a look at that, or are, do you still have uh, enough confidence in this team? Oh man, this is to take to take a ton from this game or to not because. You get a combination of the weather. The weather was absolutely insane in this one with, with periods of downpour. That was but such a the, fun thing to watch, though, to be honest. I, I think the doggies really I think the doggies really adjusted to what they saw the first time. So mm-hmm. it, I've always heard this, and I agree with this. It's never easy to beat a team twice in a season. It never is, because just because they learn. And I'm not going to sit here and say that Melbourne should be worried because not a lot of teams can do what the Western Bulldogs did. It, it, that's it's just fact Melbourne is a tough, tough game. I think they just, their forwards had a big issue on the same day and it cost them. Brown has a bad um, accuracy game. Fritch wasn't his self. Uh, McDonald wasn't his self. Jackson was relatively quiet. So when you have kind of like a perfect storm situation, this ah, really storm kind of helped. Fun, Donnie. <laughs> it, I, wasn't even trying to be completely honest with you there, it, 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 but it was, it was, it was really was the perfect situation for the doggies. They get, they get a Melbourne team that's not on their game is perfect. They play a really, really good game. Bond and Pelly again proves why a lot of people are saying he is potentially the Brownlow medalist this particular season. Another absolutely insane performance against this Melbourne demons team. And in, now we now we see how does Melbourne respond. This is the first time they've lost to a game to a team in the finals, so we'll have to see how do they respond over these next few weeks. Because if they climb back into their shell a little bit, this D's team could be hurting a little bit because they could go from top of the table to potentially back in the mire. And and if they get back in the mire, if they still have some of their goal scorings, it could be a shortly lived final series for Melbourne. If they don't figure out their goal, if they can't write their goal kicking immediately. Yeah. I mean, we saw some stuff happen a couple rounds ago where it looked like they might have a spark when it comes to their offense. I mean, you know, the, the, the old adage, at least in uh, gridiron, is that defense wins championships. And obviously, there's a lot of what you could put in that in, in footy as well. But when you go against these better teams, these better goal-kicking teams that you're going to see in the funnels and late in, in, in the later rounds of it, you're going to also need to put up enough points on offense. You're probably going to want to be around that 80-90 mark, and you want to be able to get there almost without thinking about it, unless you're able to be... Unless you're able to have that much confidence in your defense, but a defense that's been faltering recently. So when you pride yourself on defense or you don't have a great offense to, to, to back it up all consistently enough, once that defense falls, you might be in a little bit of trouble. Obviously, these last four games are going to prove huge. They're finals teams. They're probably they're just about locked for top four, but it's all about trying to build a little bit of momentum and fix themselves going into finals. And then speaking about the Adelaide team that they gave up a lot of points to in round 10, let's talk Adelaide against Hawthorne. And this was a game where both teams have been shaky uh, recently where, I mean, Hawthorne was on streak and then they kind of dropped a little bit. Adelaide has just been weird this whole time, especially without Taylor Walker. But what would you know, Donnie, in (laughs) Big Tex, he makes his return to the team and... 
The Crows put up their second most points all season, most since round one. And this is just a game itself. A really fun, solid, close game throughout. A lot of excitement here. And I wasn't even, like, um, didn't have too much into this game. Obviously, not a lot of finals implications, but just from a game of footy, man, I was on the edge of my seat for this one. And, you know, offense picks right back when you got Big Tex in the lineup. He kicks four in, uh, for, for the Crows. And... Now, you got a little bit with North Melbourne picking things up. The Hawthorne Hawks might have to be a little bit worried about trying to, they have to almost work to avoid finishing last and, and grabbing that wooden spoon because they're now tied with North um, at 18 points. They are up 8 percentage points, but obviously that margin could be really close depending on what happens. So, Hawthorne, you got some work to do. You got your work out to you with how well North Melbourne's been playing recently. And, I mean, for the Crows this season, I mean, not really a finals team. Don't re You have hopes mathematically. Realistically, not really. But this just was another game where you might be able to just work on some things and build a little bit of confidence going uh, into the future. And at least you know that Taylor Walker is really damn good at, at scoring goals. <laughs> this, this is another game where I look at it and I go, has the secession plan from Clarko to to his heir apparent mm -hmm. um, Mitchell is it affecting this playing group and these are starting to I'm starting to see signs where I'm thinking it is I mean, this this was not a this was not a typical Hawthorne performance again Adelaide again I agree with you Tex Walker makes a massive improvement this really does change this Adelaide team big time but I'm I'm starting to think, I mean, are there cracks to the point where if Clarko does stay, is next year already in peril because of the fact that the playing group, is, there's just something not right. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know if it's personnel. I don't know if now we're starting to get mixed messages that Mitchell's doing some one thing and Clarko's doing another and it's confusing players. I don't know. It's, it's going to be a very, very interesting 18 months if this continues the way it's going because who knows how this could play out. Will Clarko see through the rest of this contract? Will Clarko leave for one of the new high-profile Cullingwood, Carlton potential jobs? Um, what is Sam Mitchell? If Sam Mitchell does get the job next year, what changes does he do? So there, there's just a ton of questions. Like I hate to talk about something that's not on the field, like in the coach's box, but I really just kind of feel like this Hawthorne team is starting to kind of check out now. The, the season's over. They're not going to make finals. And I think the Clarko distraction is not helping matters. So we'll really have to see. I'm, if I'm Hawthorne, I'm a little worried right now. Your wooden spoon chances have drastically increased with the with the with the improved play of North Melbourne. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, you gotta be worried when when you try to play this North Melbourne team, and there's a little bit of hope for that, and where they could avoid finishing last in hell, they might even finish ahead of two teams, depending on how some things could finish. So, like going back to kind of what I said from their game is. It really is night and day difference between what how they looked at the beginning of the season to how they look now and the outlook, the future outlook for this club going into 2022. And now here we go, Donnie. Yeah, always, it's been a really great time talking about your Sydney Swans over the last handful of rounds because they've been looking great. And this was another game where they just look 
great as they pick up another solid win. They beat a finals hopeful team in the Fremantle Dockers. They win this one by 40, and it was another one where you saw a, 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 almost like a classic Sydney Swans team where a little bit worrying play um, early on, but then they're able to pick it up and they completely have this game taken over by halftime. They kept 5 and 3 in the third while holding Frio to 1 behind. So when you kick 33 points and you limit the other team to 1, that's that's going to sway things in your direction and that's always going to look great. And let's take a look at Isaac Heaney leading the way this way. He kicks 5 and 1, 22 disposals. He looked so damn impressive this round. And it's not like he was the only one that looked great because Buddy Franklin, he kicks another handful in this one, of course. And if you look at that, 27 more to go for a 1,000. It's not looking too great in terms of maybe getting a 1,000, but obviously not probably not going to get a 1,000 by the end of the playoffs. Let, imagine that he kicks seven goals around until finals. Wouldn't that be great? But hell, Sydney Swans, they look primed to make a deep, finals run at this point in time and given the finals we might be able to see buddy get this mark and so that would be just it's just absolutely fantastic and then if you take a look at the Fremantle Dockers just two pivotal stats in this one that kind of show why they're they absorb such a such a loss in this one is that this was another game where they kicked more behinds and goals and this is their 13th game this season where they do so and in the fourth term, they pulled this tackle stat uh, um, on on the on the on the broadcast of the game. Inner fifty tackles. It was the Swans with twenty five to Fremantle's one. Not great, Donnie. Not great. But the um, for the final, Sydney is only four points out of that top four. We've already went over that. With uh, taking a look at Brisbane and Port Adelaide, Sydney obviously has a great chance. Um, well, maybe not great. They have a solid chance at, at being able to scoot through winning to the top four. At the worst, I think they finished fifth it is how it's still looking here. And now Frio falls to two points out of the eighth. We talked about them as they're in that bit of a log jam where a bunch of teams tied, you know, 9, 10, 11, maybe 12, and a lot of percentage points there. So they still have a chance to make the finals. But take it away. Please tell me how you feel about the Swans team at this point. This was another one that kind of, kind of like we discussed previous rounds. It was, it was kind of a slow start. And Hawthorne, I mean, Frio really kind of kicked it in. They really kind of pressured Sydney to make a few mistakes that sometimes they haven't always been making earlier this year. And you could definitely tell it kind of got to them. And, and, and going off of it, I think the turning point was Isaac Heaney's attempt for another mark of the year when that he took over Ryan because if you look at well if you look at this at the game the way it was at the time Sydney was Sydney was down I think it was like 12 or 12 or 14 at the, at that point Heaney takes that mark kicks the goal it drops it back it drops it back within two goals and if you notice that's like 10 minutes before halftime by the time they get it to halftime it's a three point game and the second half, they go on another 8-0 goal run where they kind of blow it out. They blow the game out of proportion mm -hmm. to the point they hit the third quarter break. It's a 30-point lead, and really, Frio never gets back into it. And then to compound all of that issue is Frio loses Michael Walters to a hamstring injury and loses Nat Five to another shoulder dislocation. Yeah, he has surgery. He's, he's done. 
and he is done for the season, unfortunately. And again, Frio's issue of, of injuries just continued to rear its ugly head at the worst possible time. Darcy is 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 fighting through his knee injury that I think he's got. I think at the end of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if he has surgery. But they're trying to soldier him through because they know if they lose him, they're even more in trouble because they really don't have the deepest of, of rock stocks behind the big Sean Darcy. So mm -hmm. I, I felt so mad for all my Frio friends in, in, in yeah. I, I told them in a tweet before that, I said, no matter what, we're still friends. I said, I, I'm not a trash talker, never have been. And I, I got a really nice message from one of, from one of my friends, Gil Griffin, who's my Frio representative for the U S fan ones. And he even said, he goes, you were just better than us today. He goes, he goes all, he goes all due respect to you guys. Um, a heck of a game. And I sent back, I said, I completely agree. I said, if your team wasn't shark bit and I think you guys be in the finals, you have such a good list. Yeah. I can't wait to watch our two teams progress. I think in the next few years, these two teams potentially could be fighting in the finals or who knows, even a grand final. Maybe we will have to see with their young list. I'm crossing my fingers that Frio can keep Adam Chera, but unfortunately, many of the communications that I keep hearing, unfortunately, I think he's closer to headed back to his beloved Victoria than staying out in Western Australia. But uh, you just, you never know. But a, a great performance by Sydney. Um, I think they've played really, really well. Buddy originally gets handed down a one-game fine. He appealed the ruling, and due to some precedent set early in the season, he is going to be – he was let off with only a fine. He's still going to play. I, I, I know everybody's going to be like, well, cool, Coach, what do you think? Well, if the Shuey incident that happened with Callum Mills early in the season, the Danaher incident on Dane Rampey, and two or three others didn't happen – Buddy stays suspended for a week. He's got no arguments. Mm -hmm. But the fact that Shuey only got a fine, Danaher only got a fine, and there was one other one. I can't. I think it was Asbury, Asbury on somebody from I think Geelong or the Doggies, one of those two. If those three don't happen, if those three happen and they all get suspended instead of fines, Buddy has no argument at the tribunal, and mm -hmm. he gets a week. Mm -hmm. it, I'll look, I'll look at everybody. I'll look dead straight in the camera and say, buddy deserved a week. He got off on a technicality because of what happened earlier in the year. Honest to God, truth there. I, I was telling everybody that I was talking to, buddy's gone at least a week. I, I can almost guarantee it just by the way it looked. He got off on a technicality. This is the M this is the MRO not standing, not doing something in the first place. And that's the that's what they said. Buddy is getting off scot free. It's a slap on the wrist for his finances. That's just the honest to God truth. Yes, this is a Swans player playing it. I'm I'm happy he's playing, but I'm sad for the game because I think this is a bad look for the AFL and the MRO. Mm-hmm. Certainly an interesting call there, but at the, at the least, you can say that it's a bad decision to not give him that one-week suspension. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to say that it's not consistent in what they've been doing all year, right? It's, I mean, the people, I mean, I saw everyone on Twitter, of course, was, uh, was rightfully disappointed or mad at this decision. Some people calling it inconsistent on the AFL. Technically, that's wrong. <laughs> Technically... This is what they've been doing all year long. So, it's a bad call. At least, if you want to look at the silver, the silver line, the AFL is sticking with their ruling of how they've been for, through most of the season. 
But it's also hard to compliment that when it's been sticking with bad ruling most of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I respect that they're consistent, but yeah. the thing, though, is is that, honestly, they were wrong on each and every single one of those. I believed every single one. I don't care if it's a forearm or an elbow. It's still an intentional hit to the head. That should be mm-hmm. a game suspension. Just, again, I, I I completely agree with the one game suspension in the first place. I had no problem with that. I know we're playing an Essendon. I know Sydney's playing an Essendon team this week that Buddy – might be a thing that tips us over the edge but i was all prepared ready and willing to go okay buddy's gone who's coming in now so mm-hmm. but well like i said we'll have to see again it's it's a little bit of a spark what I, what I really irritates me is everybody's like well that's buddy he always gets the calls i don't know about that i'm not gonna go that far yeah. that's let's not go that far i don't think it's that cut and dry if i'm being completely honest with you so exactly and that's going to take us into the second to last game of the season. This is the Geelong Cats taking on a bit of a of a Richmond team that seems like they're playing without their heart and soul without um, Dusty. At least he was able to make it out of the hospital. He's good. He's home. And so he's recovering. So that's great news. And it looks like he should be on track to be back next season, which, of course, is only good for the game. Whether you hate the Richmond Tigers or love them, the game is better when when Dusty is on that pitch. But in this one, we have the Cats where there is a blip for the Richmond, blip of life for the Richmond Tigers um, in the first term where they took the lead, but then that did not last long. This wasn't a, a flashy game necessarily by the Geelong Cats, but this is one where they grid out a bit of a game and they ended up winning by a good margin of 38 and they keep their spot just near the top of the ladder. They're the two team right now. So they continue their nice stretch uh, of games right now where they've just been winning and they haven't been winning great, but they've been winning and they've been looking pretty solid in doing so. And um, this one, yeah, Tom Hawkins, he had four goals in, uh, in this. And it, it seemed almost like Richmond was in a, which you to call it maybe a bit of a hangover from their game from last round, it, it looked like, man, they put in a lot of energy for that big win um, and, and in the 300th game for, for Jack. But that might have taken it out of them, and that might have really been their last, I guess, big push of the season and at the finals because they just looked like it was night and day difference between the team we saw last round and the team we saw this one. And so right now, Geelong has a really good shot at actually finishing at top of the ladder if you want to take a look at the last number of games for them um, with them in Brisbane because right now they got games against North Melbourne, which of course is not a guaranteed win anymore, but it's a game where they should win. A GWS game where it's not a guaranteed win, but it's another game where they should win. You can say that for St. Kilda. And then you have a tough matchup at the last round of the season with the Melbourne Demons. And so that might just really make or break that team, whether they're going to be in one or just another spot in the four. And they feel like the, their competition right now, the current number one team, the, the Doggies, is that the Bulldogs have Adelaide, Essendon, Hawthorne, and Port Adelaide. So it looks like the Doggies should be in the driver's seat for one. They control their own destiny, obviously, but... If they have a bit of a slip up, uh, I think the Cats have a good spot actually finishing number one. Cats definitely have a very good shot of doing that. Again, they 
the biggest thing for them is just continue to win. But I, I actually heard this really interesting statistic uh, while I was watching a show called First Crack on on, on Fox Footy. Um, in the last 10 years, only one team that has fi- finished minor premiers or regular or the home and away champions, mm-hmm. one has won the flag. Mm-hmm. One in the last 10 years. Eight of the last eight what was it eight of the last ten has been second or third. And maybe Geelong, never mind. Don't win. <laughs> Don't win. Exactly. Yep. It, it was a very interesting stat that Lee Montagna brought up, and and it, and it did. And they they actually discussed it a little bit. They go, they go. Do you almost do you almost feel like being second and third? And they they kind of debated about why that is. And and I agreed. What they said is that first game is a lot more competitive because you're facing your next closest opponent where one place four who's the last person to get into the double chance situation which should mean one should win pretty should win because of positioning in the ladder and so on and so forth but sometimes that actually can be a curse so we, we will definitely have to see but i thought that was a very very yeah. relevant stat there especially where they're sitting at second right now is they're sitting in the in the pardon the pun here the catbird seat that's kind of funny, man. That's really interesting here. And, I mean, with the Richmond Tigers, what are you putting to maybe saying that maybe their, you know, their game last round is kind of their last, like, full in like full effort of a game? And how are their finals chances looking? How's their outlook, in your opinion? Well, their thing, the one thing Richmond's got to hang their hat on a little bit is, is if you look at it, I know they don't have Dusty, but they go into these last four games and really the GWS game in round 22 is really the only one you can sit here and go. You kind of have to be worried. Frio. I think the loss of Fife and Walters really, really hits them hard. I think Richmond, yes, they don't always travel very well to Western Australia, but I think Richmond would get a tick for most people in that game. Yes, you're playing a North team that's tough and physical, but Richmond again, their style sometimes can suffocate teams. You'd think they'd they'd come out. You'd think they would be favorites in that. GWS, I think, is a coin toss. I think it's what GWS team shows up. Is it the GWS team that plays really really well, or is it the GWS team that has lapses? We'll have to see. And last game of the season is against Hawthorne, which which could be absolutely massive. Hawthorne could go into that game knowing they win and they're in. We, we'll have to see again mm-hmm. it's it's a four game stretch that you you would sit here and go three games your favor one's a coin toss that gives you a good shot of making the finals but you almost have to win you have to win three of these four and Frio really is the only one you could be tiny bit terrified because it is over an Optus stadium but other than that North Melbourne Hawthorne you should you should win those again as we've discussed they've been a little bit more difficult mm-hmm. so this is not an easy last four games for Richmond but you would think they're favorites in at least three of those four if not all four even uh, depending on what GWS's form is going into that round 22 matchup mm-hmm. and I guess what better way to maybe take a look at their form than talk GWS and Essendon as I mean, the Dons are able to break into the top eight last round, and then they fall right back out as they lose to the GWS Giants. They, they kind of waste a huge opportunity, which is almost shocking to me because normally it's the Giants that are the ones blowing away huge opportunities. So it was a pleasant surprise for me. I wasn't complaining when I was watching this game. <laughs> that That's for damn sure. I was more just 
I guess taking the back, I was like, I, I mean, although to be fair, it wasn't that great of a game of footy. It was, I mean, it it wasn't bad, but it was, it wasn't the prettiest prettiest of performances to watch. But at least you know, one team finishes with more points than the other. The Giants get the win, baby. That's all that matters. And so I'm I'm really okay with this one, especially with my little little mini rant that I had to have last episode. This was um, a little bit of a breath of fresh air, I, I guess it's safe to say. But the Giants they get back into the eight, and um, the Essen they blow about a twenty point lead that they had uh, around halftime. And now, if you take a look at the finals, realistically, each team likely has to win three of their last four if they want to have a really good shot at making the eight. They might one might get lucky, you might be able to go two and two, but that's the worst that, that you could really go and if, if you want to make it into the finals. G Davis is only two points ahead of Essen and we already went over that log jam we have everyone outs right outside the top eight. A lot of percentage points really making the difference. So neither team is in it. Neither team is out of it. And there's so much that could happen over these next four rounds. Also, you can have one team dropping down to like a 13th, 14th, depending on what happens. It's that close. So they're really going to have to buckle themselves up because this game, in the grand scheme of things, it means nothing. Like, I, I really hope, I mean, obviously, Essen is going to pat themselves on the back for this one. Their coach came out and said that they're not going to go far in the finals with a performances like this, which is nothing but true. And GWS not going to be able to make the top eight maybe with performances like this in the last four games against some tough teams so this is a game where if you're the giants you take a breath you say good job we got these four points but you gotta put this one behind you as soon as possible and, and just try to get as better as possible and hopefully next round they um correct me if wrong Diane, toby green's back right yep toby green is back that's from huge the hotel quarantine that's which- huge now, to go off this game, this game really was a tale of two halves. If you look at the first half, Essendon dominated the first half. This mm-hmm. this looked like quarter uh, a fifth quarter from the Swan from the Swans GWS game because it was the same thing the Swans did was dominating. They were scoring points, mm-hmm. but it was like the air was let out of the proverbial balloon at halftime because GWS just took it. I mean, it was like the team swap jumpers. Because GWS was doing everything that Essendon was doing, and Essendon was doing everything which GWS was doing. Like three straight goals in the third. Exactly, and that it really tanked the way Essendon plays. And and I agree with with Essendon's coach. You're not going to go very far if you have these type of performances in finals. And it's not like Essendon is a is a lackluster team. They've got some players. They just conveniently they just did not have a very good game in this one, and it and they got burned by it and it it does keep Essendon back and it does keep Essendon back in the mire when it comes to the finals it doesn't rule Essendon out but it definitely makes things more interesting because that was your game against a direct opponent in the chase for the finals and now you're behind them so now the you go in, yes, you've got superior percentage over Richmond, Frio, and St. Kilda. That's great. But you got to win games. And as we kind of stated, Essendon's run home is not simple. So they, they get they get Sydney this week. That that really, really doesn't help them out very much. And then their last their last two games of the season aren't aren't any more cakewalks. You get the last three games include the Western Bulldogs the week after Sydney, and then 
Gold Coast and Collingwood, which is nice, but you got to hope that you don't fall far enough back that these final two games are basically meaningless. Mm -hmm. So this game against Sydney this week is absolutely crucial. Essendon has to try to get four points out of this because if they don't, it really makes that game against the Duggies that much more important because they can't go into those final two games coming off three consecutive losses. My, call it a hot take, Donnie, but I'm just going to go on maybe a little bit of a limb and say that I if they're if they're going to get a base yet to look right now, it's you could really make the case that they can go two and two. You could comfortably say that they can go two and two to end the season. I think if, like I was saying, you probably have to get three or four at least. I think their better chances actually against the Western Bulldogs than it is the Sydney Swans, given what we've seen recently. That's a big call. That's a big call there. Yeah. I, I I would somewhat agree with that with Alex Keith going down in that Bulldogs game, but they did have Josh Shackey step up and play really really well. Mm-hmm. It, it all kind of depends on what type of Sydney they get because you're going to get, it sounds like Callum, Callum Mills and Colin O'Reardon are both going to be out of hotel quarantine or Harry Cunningham. My apologies. Huge for Sydney as well. Are, I mean, both Sydney, the both Sydney teams are finally recovering from that whole debacle that we had. And, around the and, their perform, and their performance staff. So some people would say, well, for Sydney to win two games after all that debacle of losing players and performance staff and stuff like that, it's pretty impressive couple of wins. And now you face an Essendon team that they're reeling. And sometimes those are the teams that are the most dangerous when you step up against them uh, for, for absolutely for sure. But I'm, I don't know this Essendon team, just they, you can, you can tell their youth is bothering them a tiny bit right now because they're getting to that pointy end of the season. And this is when you need to be at your peak and I don't know if they're getting weary because of their fast pace that they play or what, but I, I'm I'm worried that they're just going to run out of steam just a few hurdles short of the finals this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, <laughs> really coming down to it. But that is essentially going to cap off another really interesting round of footy. I mean, we had some great action around the board. We had some kind of unquestionable games if we want to look at the actual qu- uh, play quality that we saw. But nonetheless... A lot of these games either were exciting or carried huge finals implications. So every game is a must-see TV at this point in time. But we're going to roll on into maybe a little bit of an update look at the finals, our thoughts on them, Donnie's team of the round, our final rankings, and then finish it off with some tipping. But honestly, so if you, um, you're listening last round, we, Donnie and I um, going to the last five, we, we tipped uh, essentially using the uh, lighter predictor on the NFL website. Um, to come up with what our top eight looks like. And I've actually had some changes to the bottom two teams in, in this one, actually. So I had a bit of a hot take with, with the Dons and St. Kilda making in, but given their disappointing per- performances, uh, you could say, in round 19, that's actually shaking some things up a bit. If you look at the changes, I actually have the seven and eight is the Eagles and the Giants. Is Impressive. that things change a little bit for you too? Uh, I I really haven't played around with it unfortunately because <laughs> I I I I'll, Donnie I'll has out a myself. busy weekend. Okay, I'll, I mean, I'll, out, I'll out myself. Right? I had my oh, fifth yeah. year wedding anniversary this oh. last Saturday with my with my beloved wife. Yes. In fact, we're recording this on Tuesday because <laughs> Monday we had a nice little fun day together. Thank we you. we kind of spent some time kind of celebrating our anniversary, but um, I. 
this is very very interesting because like i said it, it all kind of depends on that run home i'm i'm leaning a lot towards maybe potentially seeing richmond being the team that gets in at eight instead of gws but we'll really have mm-hmm. to see i think that gws well that gws richmond, richmond game is round that's probably 20 determine the, the the eight spot huh that that really could i i really believe so if Essendon can't get out of their funk and win at least two if not three games these last four i think richmond gws i think that game in round 22 could be basically a play-in game for the finals mm-hmm. kind of crazy uh oh man i am i'm really nervous about that game really excited about that game um of course i'm never going to celebrate an injury uh even some um, the opposing team but it is okay to say i think it's fair to say that no dusty martin is going to bode really well for the giants uh with, with them maybe getting their full team back uh, they've kind of got the full strength of the last couple rounds and toby green going to be back and so we could finally see maybe this complete giants roster play together and they have a few rounds where they they might be able to do so. So this takes in 22. So they have two day, two games where hopefully they'll have to stay healthy and, and uh, not quarantined that we can really start to see the mesh. And that is going to be huge for this game. And it, right now, I mean, obviously things change almost daily. But right now the game is slated to be a giant stadium. So odds might be swinging in GWS's favor. That's going to be a huge one to look out for. But Donnie, let's cut it and let's head on into your team of the round. You had plenty of, uh, of uh, spots open in this one. I think this was maybe a little bit more of an open uh, team of the round than we've had recently. So let's know what you got. This was this was a very very interesting round because you had you had some big performances, especially in the forwards, some absolutely massive performances here. So let's jump right into it. Team of the round, round nineteen. Let's start at our defenders. Mr. Reliable, Western Bulldogs, Caleb Daniels, 34 disposals, a goal, nine intercept possessions, a goal assist, six score involvements, six marks, five clearances, four tackles, and 415 meters gained. We jump from there to Port Adelaide's Dan Houston, 21 21 disposals, a goal, a behind, three intercept possessions, three goal assists, seven score involvements, five marks, and 613 meters gained. We jumped to it. Collingwood may not have have had a great game as a team, but this young man had a really good game. Collingwood's Jack Crisp, 30 disposals, 10 intercept possessions, four score involvements, 13 marks, two clearances, six tackles, and 353 meters gained. St. Kilda's Jack Sinclair, 22 disposals, a goal, three intercept possessions, five score involvements, four marks, three tackles, and 309 meters gained. I got to give this guy a little bit of love because he had an insane game in a loss. Melbourne's Jake Lever, 21, 20 disposals, 15 intercept possessions, five marks, two tackles, and 363 meters gained. And one of the anchors in the back for this really good Geelong team is Tom Stewart. 25 disposals, 10 intercept possessions, 7 score involvements, 9 marks, and 421 meters gained. We jump to the ruck, and surprise, surprise, Mr. Brody Grundy from (laughs) Collingwood. 27 disposals, 8 score involvements, 3 marks, 7 clearances, 2 tackles, 23 hitouts, and 248 meters gained not we even a broken to... record either donnie so <laughs> unfortunately we just jumped the, to the just the best rock in the game which going to do right 
it's really hard considering he is just another midfielder after he taps the ball down that's with his athleticism we jump to the midfielders and in, in some really big performances here we start off with north taron thomas 23 disposals four goals a behind three intercept possessions a goal assist nine score involvements four marks five clearances five tackles and 509 meters gained another mr reliable in coach hess's uh, team of the week is the Western Bulldogs, Marcus Bontempelli. 31 disposals, two goals, four intercept possessions, a goal assist, eight score involvements, three marks, 10 clearances, six tackles, and 755 meters gained. Adelaide's Rory Laird, 36 disposals, two goals, six intercept possessions, a goal assist, 10 score involvements, six marks, 10 clearances, five tackles, and 518 meters gain sydney's luke parker 30 disposals two goals five intercept possessions a goal assist six score involvements five marks three clearances three tackles and 390 meters gained i gotta give this guy some love he played really really well in this game frios adam chera 30 disposals two goals four intercept possessions a goal assist eight score involvements nine marks four clearances three tackles and 586 meters gained we jump to the forwards a lot of goals being kicked by our forwards this week we start off Geelong's Tom Hawkins, 13 disposals, four goals, two behinds, six score involvements, six marks, three tackles, and 327 meters gained. The big man from Port Adelaide, Charlie Dixon, 11 disposals, four goals, three behinds, seven score involvements, four marks, and two tackles. The goal kicker of the round, it's hard not to say this, Norse Nick Larkey, 20 disposals, seven goals, a behind, three intercept possessions, 13 score involvements, eight marks, and 303 meters gained. <coughs> Excuse me. St. Kilda's Max King, 13 disposals, six goals, a behind, a goal assist, eight score involvements, nine marks, and 333 meters gained. Brisbane's Lincoln McCarthy, 14 disposals, four goals, two behinds, three intercept possessions, two goal assists, eight score involvements, three marks, two tackles and 250 meters gained and last but not least rounding out the forwards is sydney's isaac heaney 22 disposals five goals behind two intercept possessions eight score involvements 11 marks two tackles 403 meters gained and one of the marks of the round with his sit and screamer on on luke ryan what an incredible and i think really was the changing point for the sydney swans to the bench, I'm going to give him a little bit of love. No, this is not rose-colored glasses. The Rucks representative on the bench is Sydney's Tom Hickey. 18 disposals, a goal, a behind, three score involvements, four marks, five clearances, three tackles, 21 hitouts, and 353 53 meters gained. Our defender is, Ada, is Adelaide's Tom Duday. 22 disposals, 11 intercept possessions, three score involvements, six marks, and 269 meters gained. Our midfield bench player would be West Coast Dom Sheed. 32 disposals, two goals, six intercept possessions, 10 score involvements, six marks, seven clearances, and 446 meters gained. We'll give him some love, Mr. from Adelaide. 
Taylor Walker is our forward with nine disposals, four goals, five score involvement, six marks, and 369 meters gained. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is my team of the week. Another good one, Donnie. I mean, once again, you really just never miss on that one. So let's get into a little bit more of the possibly exciting stuff, maybe controversial, if you really want to say. I don't know. But for the first time in like 10 rounds, maybe, Donnie, we don't have the same five teams in the power rankings. So I, I think that's something to apply ourselves on because obviously that does not happen all too often. Anyone that's seen them knows. And especially if you ever want to get a little bit of a sneak peek onto each one of our weekly shows, you can drop uh, dropping every Tuesday night stateside. Um, afternoon-ish Australian time. I still need to get Aussie time down, honestly. It's really weird, like, the half-hour time zone difference in Australia, I mean... For Adelaide. Yeah. It's just Adelaide. Adelaide's the only one that, that yeah. does have that funky little half an hour little change, but the easiest, way I, the easiest way I say it for me is, at least at least for me in the Central, is they're 15 hours ahead, so I just... Yep. You, add, you, you add half a day, you had half a day to where we're at, and then either add two out and add two hours or three, depending on where you're at. So Especially like it, if, if it's like morning here, it's nighttime over there. If it's you know afternoon it, uh, here, it's probably like early early morning there. It's just like a little bit different, but a day ahead. It's it, it's really interesting. <laughs> oh, it, it's really just throwing me off. But you can check our social medias. Of course, that's my winded way of getting to that. Check out our social medias: um, Twitter at Fourth Long Radio, Instagram at Fourth Long Radio. Of course, you can find all of our socials if you go to the fourthandlong.com or for all your AFL content. The fourthandlong.com slash AFL. See, super easy, super convenient right there. Uh, but you, we do put our out our power rankings the day before, so you can get a little sneak preview of that, know what we're going to be talking about. But going into this one, what we have here is that the top team stays the same. I mean, the Geelong Cats have been at the top for the last bit in a number of rounds now, and deservingly so. They're knocking on the door of a top spot like Badani just went over that they shouldn't want that maybe just stick with two two is good if you want to if you want to make a finals run um and, and so let, let's do that one and what we have here is also our top three stayed the same um uh, from the last two rounds is that for me Geelong Sydney the doggies Donnie, Geelong, Doggies, Sydney. Um, but the mix-up, and we even had Port Adelaide, the same number four. They were number five for both of us. They both move up, but it's all about that fifth team. So for you, a little bit of a, of a new one here. What do you have? I have the Brisbane Lions. I, I think their win, their win, they kind of got themselves kind of... St- Stabilized, but the, the funny thing about looking at the looking at the form of all the teams there after after Sydney is it, the, the form gets really really funky. Like just just going through it, let, let's just run through the potentials here. Is that after after we go through Geelong, Western Bulldogs, Melbourne, and Sydney? I won't go in order. Okay, after after you look at Port. Okay, after that you've got. Brisbane Lions, West Coast, GWS are the eight. Well, look at the Brisbane Lions. They're, they've won three of their last five, okay, with two losses in a row before this last round's win. You go, you jump down to West Coast at seven. They've lost three of their last five, but they've won their last two in a row. 
And then the the GWS Giants have lost three of their last five with only two wins in their last four games. So uh, there wasn't a lot of strength down towards fifth. So it was really kind of interesting because I, I looked at it, it was Sydney and Geelong are both four and zero in their last four and four and five mm-hmm. and four out of five in their last five. So, was, but for me, I can't. The big win of of the Western Bulldogs over Melbourne, I couldn't really jump Sydney. Now, if Melbourne would have beat the Bulldogs, then I probably might have had Geelong, Sydney, Melbourne from there. But with Melbourne's two losses in their last three games and the draw, I could not keep Melbourne in the top five just because their form has really, really dipped. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really kind of my explanation is Brisbane won their last game, won their last game. They've won three out of five. Yes, they had those two losses in a row. But if you look at it, a draw and a loss is almost the same equivalent of two losses for the Melbourne Demons. Mm -hmm. And like usual, I I really think like this fifth spot, what we've seen uh, through most of the rounds is that trying to to determine it, a lot of it, it, it's kind of splitting hairs. And so I did end up going with Melbourne and it's just because they were five. I don't think the Lions had done enough to maybe jump them. I mean, it, it, it's right there. Honestly, it could be 5A and 5B. I ultimately pulled the trigger and went with the Demons just because I ultimately like this. So, I mean, I'll say it again. Kind of my logic is when I have like a bit of an impasse and I see almost like a tie between a couple teams. I just go with neutral playing field. Who do I have the most confidence in to win that game against each other right now? And it's the Melbourne Demons, but... I mean, the, the Demons have another shaky um, shaky game next round, whether it be shaky win or a loss or a draw, and the Brisbane Lions have another good game, then yes, I'm easily be able to put them a, a ahead of them. But, I mean, it, they're neck and neck right now. I'm still a little bit cautiously, I'm cautiously optimistic about this Lions team without Hipwood. They didn't look great in the two games after losing him, and they get the one win now. And so, I think it's a huge game to see. Maybe they could get back-to-back wins without him, you know? Um, that's going to prove a lot to me. But, oh boy, it's really coming down to it. It's really coming down to it. And that's that's safe to say, right? <laughs> oh, it's it's going to be an incredible last four rounds. I'm, I'm super excited. I'm crossing my fingers. COVID doesn't mess with it too much but but thankfully it seems it looks like we might be able to at least get the regular season and we just gotta hope that nothing changes mm-hmm. thankfully i think south australia is coming out of lockdown i think melbourne is super super close of coming out of lockdown themselves so if we can get back to the point where at least four four of the states that could play footy are all open at least i think that should bode very very well for the finals but i know that increased discussion now is is that the potential that if the mcg cannot have at least fifty thousand, which right now is not anywhere close mm-hmm. perth is potentially perth and adelaide are both now up potentially to host another out of victoria grand final well really again there's plenty Office of time grand final We'll have to see. They're, they're still, they, from what I hear from some news, is that if the AFL wants to start making plans for the grand final, they need to make a decision within the next couple of weeks. So we could find out if potentially the grand final is outside of Victoria again this season. 
Obviously, I would prefer if it does take place in the M MCG purely. I mean, it, it's historic, it's tradition, and I am a sucker for tradition. Even though it might seem like I was going out of it when I suggested the possibility of overtime a handful of weeks ago. <laughs> it might sound like that, broke tradition there, but um, I, I love it ultimately. Like, I'm a huge baseball fan over here, and obviously, it's a game that's soaked in tradition and you know good old um, don't mean to get on the baseball attention but rob manfred's been trying to ruin it recently but of course that's a story for a different show um but if the second choice uh, the second option is optus that's not a bad venue to have that at, you know and that's really not a bad backup plan and 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 I think the other thing too is that they're really looking at is crowd size. Mm -hmm. Plain and simply, the AFL's got to if the AFL wants to make any money out of the grand final, they need as bigger crowds they can possibly get. And right now, the MCG, you're not getting fifty thousand anytime soon. No. Not at least in the next two weeks, unless they can make sure that they keep any COVID cases down to the point where they have zero COVID cases for at least two weeks in a row. And, and I agree. If, if you cannot get at least 60,000 in the MCG, Perth is a really good option because you know you're going to get 60,000 in there. No matter if a Western Australian team is there or not, you're going to get 60,000 there. Yeah. Guarantee it almost. Yeah. So I, I know Victorians don't want to lose this game, but I don't want a grand final in front of an empty MCG. I want fans. I'm sorry. I want fans. And if that means the game has to be in Perth because you're going to get 60,000, I think many Australians and many Victorians should be amenable to the possibility that if you can't get 60,000, do it in Perth where you can, you can get a full house. Exactly. But that's going to lead us to our round 20 tipping here. Let's cap this episode off with some predictions and this is a bit of an interesting one here obviously there's, there's a handful of games that might be able to surprise some people and could go either way and who knows maybe some kind of upsets in, in terms of tipping here but let's start things off it's going to be St. Kilda and Carlton and I mean Carlton, St. Kilda their skin it came to an end but they played a really solid game and Carlton Obviously not looking great North Melbourne. I like St. Kilda in this one in Marvel. Um, it could be a little bit closer. It could be a, a two, maybe three-goal game. But ultimately, I think the Saints revitalize their finals hopes uh, in, in this one. Rowan Marshall is back. And when Rowan Marshall and Patty Ryder play, the Saints usually win. I'm going to go with the Saints in here. I think Carlton is a train speeding off to an empty cliff. And unfortunately, I think they're going to take <laughs> Coach Teague with them harsh. in that box. Unfortunately, they are. I, 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 I really wish this old, grand old club was not having the issues that they have. But right now, they are, they are an outer control train headed for a very high cliff. And unfortunately, the fall may be, may be, may be ugly. So I am going to tip the Saints on this one. Mm -hmm. And the next game is the biggest um, spread in terms of betting odds. We have. The Western Bulldogs coming in at a buck oh eight, and the Adelaide Crows coming in at a scorching uh, eight dollars. <laughs> oh, so if you want to tip underdogs, this is one hell of a game to spend some money on. Uh, although I think there might be a better option than than this one. Uh, but yeah, I'm taking the doggies at Mars. 
almost every day. I think there's a chance where, I mean, with Taylor Walker back, you never know how many points this LA team could put up. Um, the Western Bulldogs did give up a, a hefty margin to a D's team that isn't known for offense. So it could actually end up coming between maybe a couple goals. I like the doggies still, but don't be too surprised if the Crows are actually able to push this team a little bit. I'm I'm gonna pick the doggies in this one, especially considering I think this game is with this game still being in Victoria. Um, I just I have a hard time. This Crows team is just they are they are struggling right now. They they are not playing really good footy. I think the doggies are playing really really well. I'm very fascinated to see how jo- does Josh Shackey keep his spot and does he continue to play back now that Alex Keith will be out for several weeks. I think the doggies win. I think the doggies will play really, really well in this one, so I'm really excited. Um, I'm just hoping the Crows can keep it uh, close. Yeah, I have a little bit of confidence that they might be able to just pull that one off. Mossy, maybe if I want to give you a sneak preview of my underdog tips of the round that I put out um, typically every Wednesday, um, every Wednesday or Thursday, just depending on maybe when games are, this is going to be one of them. We have the going up to Tassie. We have the North Melbourne Roos taking on the and taking on the Geelong Cats and kind of going to what I was saying about the Cats earlier in, in this show. How they've been winning games and they've been winning games by decent margins, but they haven't looked fantastic. And although that's hardly a knock on them, calling the team not fantastic is isn't really discrediting them too much. But even how North has been playing, they have the ability to, to catch some teams off guard. So if you're going to bet a tip on your dog, I love this one. I'm going to go with the cat still, but oh, you got to keep an eye out on this game. This is the this is the proverbial trap game for me. This is the one where does Geelong overlook the high powered Geelong? Does does Geelong overlook a a progressing, improving North Melbourne team? Do they do they walk in with everybody saying? Hey, you're going to win this game. You should, you should really win this game. Does, does it bounce back? Does it, does it bounce? Does it really, really hit them in the face in this one? I think the cat should win this one, but keep an eye out. North Melbourne has just been so pesky. This is an older Geelong team. You never know how it's going to go. They're still without Jeremy Cameron. I think Gary Rowan is back. So I think it should be a cat's win, but, North Melbourne's so pesky. I'm I'm gonna want to keep an eye on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and definitely one of the more interesting games of the round. Uh, and I mean, this is this is a much watch must watch game right here. The next one is going to be the Gold Coast Suns at a venue to be determined somewhere in Victoria, taking on the Melbourne Demons. And this is one where depending we've seen a bit of a surprise Suns team recently. So I really think that they could push this Demons team. Maybe to the limits so almost what North Melbourne could do to the Geelong Cats. Ultimately, I am going to roll with Melbourne, but it's going to be a close affair. I'm just, it's the same. Basically, <laughs> you can retrack and rewind what I just said when it comes to North Melbourne being yep. Geelong. This is a potential trap game. Gold Coast is playing better. The D's potentially could be on the road. They they have not completely rolled out Metricon Stadium potentially, but it's all the traveling between Queensland and Victoria and cases and everything like that. So there's still a ton up in the air. The D's should win this one, but the Suns are just going. I think they are going to give some headaches to this D's team, but 
I think D's win it, but this could potentially be very, very close. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. I'm excited about those two games. Uh, one that I might be a little bit less excited about, but nonetheless interested, of course, is the Collingwood Magpies and the West Coast Eagles. And going off of recent form in the last couple rounds, you got to pick the Eagles in this one. Although, it, it does depend on what, what Eagles team you get. If you get the one we've seen recently, they should be able to win this game handily. If they, you get one of the ones where it's like the one that showed up against Sydney or North Melbourne, uh, maybe a Josh Candy-less team, you're going to have some issues. I will tip uh, the Eagles in this one, though. I'm gonna tip the eagle. I'm gonna tip the Eagles in this one, but this is this is the game that always seems to get me. West Coast on the road at the G right. against a potential team that can give them headaches. Grundy and Nick Natanui is always an incredible rock battle. I always love look forward to when these two face each other. These two bulls of the rock ring are absolutely outstanding to watch. This will be what midfield benefits from the winning of the rock battles. If Nick Nat starts to get up on Grundy because of his size and athleticism, I think the West Coast Eagles should win this one. But, man, this is three games in a row where I'm sitting here going, man, this this is ripe for an upset. Mm-hmm. And one where it might be ripe for an upset as well, man, what kind of Don team we get. If they can go out there to the gap and maybe punch the swans in the mouth from the start and – Hold on after said punching of the mouth. Yeah, they, they could take this game, but given, I mean, the, the returning players, as you mentioned, for Sydney, and how well they've been looking, I mean, between Isaac Haney, between Tom Papley, between Budgie Franklin, and the hosts of other guys that have been producing and producing a great volume, this should be a game where Sydney solidifies their spot in the finals and keeps that hope alive for a top four spot. And Essendon might be hoping on some losses this round to keep them in the hunt. Well, this one's going to be a fun one because this is a rematch of round four where Sydney only won by three. This is a really keep your eye out one for it, but here, here's a couple of caveats. Buddy was not playing at the time, mm-hmm. so Buddy was not there. So this is going to be a little bit different. I There have been a few lineup changes. I, I think I, I've said it before earlier in the episode it is never easy to beat a team a second time i'm going to tip sydney but essendon just there's something about them this season i just don't want to give up on them i think they are going to give sydney headaches because of some of the height and athleticism that they have on this team i don't think with jones being out i think that kind of uncomplicates sydney's issues in the back line but we'll definitely have to see how does mills and cunningham come back are they full strength are they full fitness because the fact that they've had to isolate yes they've been given treadmills and they've been given running but they've had to do it in their own hotel room so we'll have to see how is their fitness how does mills and cunningham if they do come back in straight away how do they assimilate back into the team and will we see any fatigue issues with these two players if they do come back mm-hmm. obviously something to keep an eye out for great point there we'll see how it affects them and then up in Tazzyland, we got the hawthorne hawks and the brisbane lions and, I mean, that's another game. I'm just going to say, yeah, another game where Hawthorne might play the uh, the Brisbane Lions uh, competitively. I do ultimately like the Lions. And for the Hawks, there's another game where they get really – they have there's potential where North Melbourne's able to jump the Hawks uh, in, in this one. And the Hawks might be the bottom team at the end of the round. Uh, it could be close. Probably won't happen. But there's there's a decent chance. 
trap game number four. <laughs> <laughs> because again, I, 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 a lower base team that's playing that's playing okay footy against an upper team that I think a lot of people are going to sit there, pat them on the back, and go, "Well, you should win this round. Shouldn't be much of a problem." And these are the games that usually bite you. It is at University of Tasmania Stadium, which the Hawks play really, really well. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm not liking the 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 vibe on this club right now, especially since the whole Clarkson Mitchell transition, whatever it's supposed to be. I'm still kind of confused on that myself. Um, I'm gonna tip the Lions on this one, but this is another one I will be keeping my eye on because the potential for an upset is ripe on this one. And then the next game also has a little bit of potential. I mean, the last two games have potential for upsets here. This whole round has potential for upsets. There's no lock game. So this is, I mean, I'll really bet on, on most sports, and I would, I can't, would never be able to bring myself to bet on uh, on the AFL. Just uh, almost guaranteed to lose money. At best, you might wash. <laughs> but we got the GWS Giants taking out Port Adelaide. In a pretty big matchup for either team, Port Adelaide, um, with, with the chance that they lose this one, they might lose out of the top four. The Giants need to win this one, likely if they want to stay in the top eight or they have a bunch of other teams lose. But honestly, the Giants are going to fall out of the top eight if they lose this game, actually, because if you take a look, Fremantle and Richmond, what more than likely one of those teams is going to win that game. Obviously, got thrown the potential for a draw. Um, but more than likely, GWS loses. They drop out. So this is a big one for them. They are going to be, I guess, the home team right now. It's still in a to-be-confirmed uh, um, venue in Victoria. Uh, so obviously, things are going to change as closer we get to the game. But ultimately, I'll take Port Adelaide in this one. But returning Toby Green could really spark this Giants team and maybe... They get their rear ends uh, unchecked, and they kind of feel the heat from the hot seat, and uh, and maybe get on the onto a pace to to sprint to these finals in the last four games. I agree with you. The return of Toby Green, but it's kind of like what I said with Mills and Cunningham. What Toby Green are you getting? Are mm-hmm. you getting a Toby Green that's underdone a little bit? We'll have to see. But the thing I look at it is, I agree with you. I'm going to go with Port because Port is getting healthy. Mm-hmm. Rosie's back. Butters is back. Dersma is back. And it sounds like there's a possibility Fantasia could be back quite soon. And Robbie Gray is probably due here about around before the finals. Port Adelaide's getting their young stars and their skill back. I think that is going to get them over the line in this one. So I'm going to tip Port. But this, for me, is game of the round. If, if GWS plays the game that they can't, this is going to be an almighty cracking game of footy. I cannot wait to watch this game um, this weekend. And then the last game of the round, we can head on over to Optus. Possible location for the grand final this year. And it, it's certainly going to be a super interesting matchup in terms of finals implications for the Fremantle Dockers. And the Richmond Tigers, and even with the injuries, uh, I mean, obviously either side has taken a the, the, uh, handful of injuries that have been just kind of devastating to either team. But I'm going to take the underdog in the Fremantle uh, Dockers in this one. I, I think they might be able to pull it together enough, and a little bit of that Optus magic might lead, lead them to win in a potential spot in the top eight at the end of the round. Now I am. 
I'm going to go with Richmond in this one, and, and there's two massive reasons why. And unfortunately, I, I did discuss them during no Nat Fife, mm-hmm. season done with a shoulder injury, and no Michael Walters. Mm-hmm. Two of your best players on the Frio Dockers that were healthy, both out for this game. Yes, Richmond doesn't have Dusty. Yes, Richmond is very, very injured in the back, but they've been picking some youngsters and have been playing better footy. I think that the the voodoo of Optus Stadium is not as strong this round because you're playing a Frio team that is injured. Mm-hmm. They're still fighting injuries. And if Darcy is not fully healthy, I think Nankervis has a big game in this one. I think Richmond just has a little too much. I'm sorry, Knockers fans who know me very well. I really want to tip them, but losing Fife and Walters hey, and I that game against Sydney, I think I think are, I think might be a death blow, unfortunately, to Frio's final chances because I think those two losses are absolutely gigantic. Obviously, no, Nat Fife is going to play a huge role, but. It might not be as big of, of a loss as some people might think, at least when it comes to the scoreboard, because Nat Five, I mean, ha- at best, has been fairly iffy this year when it comes to goal kicking in, in, in accuracy. So, goal wise, he might not hurt this team too much, um, but obviously, there, there is going to be a hole. That's going to be hard to fill. It's, it, it's always hard to fill a role uh, like of a player like Nat Five, though. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's always fair to say but ladies and gentlemen that's going to do it for our tipping and our round 19 coverage thank you so much for sticking with us all the way to the end and we really do appreciate all of your support so this is another round where it, it's going to be crazy and also just gotta wish Donnie and his team the Des Moines Roosters good luck in their games this weekend of course uh going to be a fun set of them hopefully you guys are going to be rocking those uh just super nice i mean honestly better than some afl teams where those uh those red guernseys that you guys got there so uh man i love that best of luck to you this round but if you could uh your your thoughts in one word or phrase about round 20 what is it oh we said it so many times we said it four times <laughs> i think this the word of the round could be trap yep because you've got four potential massive trap games for teams that are in the finals right now facing lower bottom four teams that they're there in as, as some would say and for the college basketball fans over here for us in the US they're in they're in the they're in the um, upset alert that I know that there's that possibility. We just don't know. And uh, thank you for the good luck for the Roosters. We only have one game this. We only have one game this weekend. Kansas City is coming up here. We'll probably play a full game. So keep an eye on my social medias at social at, at Coach Hess Forty, both on Twitter and uh, and, and Instagram. Hell and yeah! Instagram. Fresh to I've the started. I, I know it's just really, really, really awesome. In fact, I know if you looked at it, I actually got a like from the official Sharon Instagram Ooh, when I put out you. I put out my yellow Sharon. So I thought that was really, really cool oh, yeah. um, for that. So, so it'll be a fun weekend uh, watching the footy and playing the footy is always, always great. So <laughs> it's going to be a great time. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said, thank you so much for joining on to the end. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see all of you at a huge Round 20 of the AFL season.